Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. I don't know about you, but I really appreciate what my mum's done for me. Um, I don't think I did when I was this high, but as I've got older and I've become a mum and I've seen some of the hassles that are involved with that, then we realise what our mums have done. And we do it as mums out of love for our kids. They grow up, they go off and they reap the benefits and we're left sort of like, oh, phone call? That would be nice. Letter? Nah, odd email, maybe. MSN. I know Betty talks on MSN. But actually wonderful was what our mums have done for us. It's nothing compared to what God's done for us. I'm going to preach today from Galatians, chapter 3 and then into chapter 4. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version because the NIV doesn't actually put the word in for adoption. And I'm talking about adoption today, whereas the NAS does. So if it's slightly different to your Bible, that's why. Galatians 3.26 In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God, through faith. For as many of you as were baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then on to Galatians 4, starting at verse 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The title this morning, as I explained, was Adoption. And we learn from the Bible all that God has done for us. The heart of our faith isn't what we go away and do for God. It's what God has done for us. Owen was preaching the other week on the triumphant indicative. Yes. (laughs) Indicative, indication. What God's done for us. And that's what we see in the Bible. What God's done in the past and what he's got planned for us in the future. So why is adoption so important to us? Paul's using a metaphor here. When he talks in Romans... 9 verse 4 he's talking about the Jews and he lists their privileges under the old covenant before Christ came theirs is the adoption of sons theirs the divine glory the covenants the receiving of the law the temple worship and the promises and on that list that Paul's listed of the Jews and their benefits is adoption as sons. That's the first thing that he's brought up. 
because God adopted Israel as his own special people. And that meant that they got all the promises and all the benefits that God had to give them. And he actually said, as Chris said when he was talking with Alfie, he promised them that he would never forsake them. That's in Deuteronomy, if you want to look it up. And it's repeated again in Hebrews for us as well. Going back to the passage in Galatians, Paul says we've got two things to rejoice in through Christ, that we've been redeemed and we've been adopted. So first of all, we're redeemed from the punishment of death. All our crimes have been wiped out. The punishment has been taken by Jesus. I'm just going to get me water. Dry. It goes on to say in Galatians that Jesus did that in order to open the way for the second thing that Paul's talking about, for us to be adopted. We've sung in the song, we're adopted as sons into God's family. So in the same way, we get all the abundant blessings that Israel's received because we're adopted into God's family. So why use this metaphor of adoption? What was so important about it in Paul's day, when if you go back to look at it? In Roman families, the fathers had absolute power over their children. The sons couldn't come of age until the father said they had come of age. They didn't be 18, they could be 21, they could be 35, they could be 45. They were always under the power and control of their fathers. It's called patria potestas. <laughs> so, while ever you were under the patria potestas, that was it. Your father had complete control over you. If someone was adopted in Roman society, they passed out from the patria potestas of one person, one father, into the patria potestas of another. Absolute power and control of one person, power and control of another. But the consequences of that adoption meant a lot to the person who was adopted. Number one, the adopted person, in passing from this control to that control, lost all rights to his old family. The father here, as he became the father, that child became heir to everything of his new father. He was an equal heir with any sons the father might already have, or any sons he might have later. Literally and absolutely, he was the son of his new father. In law, again, that old life is wiped out. So, no debts. If you had any debts here and you were adopted, those debts were wiped out. So they'd never been. That life was gone. And finally, some commentators, a bit of a disagreement on this one, um, the greatest difference in Roman society between an adopted child and a natural-born child was that the adopted child could never, ever be disinherited. Once they were adopted, that was it. The father could not write them off, could not write them out of his will. They were going to be heirs forever. There's another thing of Roman adoption that Paul so also thinks about. In Romans 8, he says... The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Morena brought that up 
when she was leading the worship, the witness of the Spirit within us, that God is our Father. That's another thing that relates to Roman adoption, because each adoption ceremony had seven witnesses. So say this father, who'd adopted the child or a son, had died, and there's some dispute about the heir, some dispute about their right to actually inherit, one of the witnesses or more could come forward and actually say, I was there, I saw that, I am a witness to the fact that this is a son of this father. So every step of the Roman adoption is meaningful when you look at our adoption into the family of God. Once we were in the absolute possession of sin, the devil had control of our lives. Okay? God has brought us into complete possession of himself. The old life has no right over us anymore. We begin a new life with God. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So we are now sons of God through Christ and we are joint heirs with him as well. Of everything that Christ has through God, we're joint heirs. The amazing thing is that the person here who was adopted had no say in the matter. They were chosen to be adopted. They did nothing to earn it or nothing to deserve it. But God took us from our family that we were under, the patria potestas of Satan and this world, and he's put us under his patria potestas. Why would God want to adopt us when he had such a wonderful son of his own? Okay. Heather and Malk going through a process of adoption at the moment. And I think you're providing us with an excellent demonstration of God's love for us. Don't look so shocked, Malk. <laughs> because you've already got children of your own. You've got three fantastic children. Yet you want to adopt a child to give them that love of a mother and a father that they may not have known. And I think that's a fantastic picture of what God wants for us. To give us his love. And you've made a decision to do that. You've chosen to follow the route of adoption. In the same way God has made that decision and chosen to adopt us. That's fantastic, isn't it? Now, when people adopt, <laughs> they've got to devote time and energy, mainly to satisfying the adoption agencies and all the people involved with it. But you don't have to pay a fee, at least in this country. God when he planned our adoption, paid a huge cost because it cost him his son. I think you all know the familiar verse, don't you, in John? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God gave his only son for us. If you go back to Galatians again, where I was reading, in verse 4, it says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, 
born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now that song we've sang about being adopted as sons, some people have changed the words adopted as a child. Yeah? Because they don't understand why it's a son. I'm a woman. I'm a son. <laughs> but if you look at what's behind this, what Paul's talking about, and you base it on when Paul was living, there's several things. One, he's already said in Galatians, as I read before, there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave or free. So he's actually not making a distinction between women and men here. He's calling all Christians sons of God. We're adopted into God's family because we become united with Christ. So we identify with Christ, who is the Son of God. And also, in the Roman world, the only way you would share equally an inheritance under a family was if you were a son. As we heard when Anna was talking, the women were sort of down here. You see it even in our royal family. It's the son's lines that go through above and beyond the women when it comes to inheritance becoming king and queen. So Paul's actually using the term son here to show that we are equal co-heirs. There is no male or female, so we are all sons of God. So if you're born again, that gives you the nature of a child. You become as children. Adoption gives us the rights that go with becoming a child. It's not a privilege. You don't have to be so far along your Christian life before you get adopted. It's actually just a gift of grace from God. It says in Galatians 3 that I was reading, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. If you have faith in Christ Jesus, then you are a son. That's it. don't have to do anything. Just have faith. The rest follows. The second part of what Paul talks about is the fact that we have this spirit that witnesses with our spirit that actually says, yes, you are a son of God. He not only sent his son to give us the status of sonship, to move into the status of sonship, but that experience, as Chris talked about, that hug with Alfie, the experience of being a son. Paul could have just written, um, because you are sons, God sent his spirit into your hearts. But in actual fact... He writes, you have received a spirit of adoption of sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our heart to cry out to our dad, our daddy. Not just to sort of address him as Lord Almighty, which he is, as maker of the earth, as dad, father, Abba, father. We struggle with that. I know I have for years, and I think several of you have struggled with calling Father, Dad. He's our dad, our daddy. He hugs us, holds us like Chris did with Alfie. Um, Sinclair Ferguson's written a book called Children of the Living God. And he's writing about the parable of the prodigal son, and the son thinking about whether to come back to the father or not. 
And he says, um, Jesus was underlining the fact that despite assumptions to the contrary, the reality of the love of God for us is often the last thing in the world to dawn upon us. We look at ourselves, we look at our past failures, our present guilt, the way we fail God again and again, and it seems impossible to us that God could love us. We tend to concentrate on all the sin, all the failure, all the things that we don't do, that we feel we should be doing. Shoulds. Don't make your life a life of shoulds. Just be there. Be God's child. In 1 John, this is in the King James Version, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. It says, Behold. Stop. Behold. Look. Behold. See. What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. In NIV it says, has lavished on us. How much love has he given us that we should be called children of God. It's not just us that have that query in our minds, get Satan saying, call yourself child of God. Can't be a child of God. Children of God wouldn't do that sort of thing. When Jesus went into the desert and was tempted... Twice, Satan came to him and he said to him, If you are the Son of God, and Jesus knew he was the Son of God, but Satan was still able to come along and whisper in his ear and say, If you're the Son of God, sowing those little seeds of doubt, we are children of God. We have faith in Christ. We are children of God. Full stop. And if the devil comes along and says, Do you call yourself a child of God? You can say, I've got faith in Christ. I'm a child of God. God's word says it. But we do need reassurance, don't we? We need that loving hug. It's all very well if you're standing here and God's walking past you and he smiles and then walks on. But what we really want is the hug, don't we? You've got to remember, God spared no expense for us. It cost God the price of his son's life. If that doesn't prove his love for you, what else can? God doesn't assure us that we're a son as he sits there away in the universe. Well, he doesn't even assure us across the room. He has sent his spirit to testify with our spirit that we are his children. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That right is yours, to become children of God. I've been reading about this on the internet and looking up various things and I came across a blog written by a lady called Kelly and she talks about this spirit of adoption and she says, my whole life has been nothing but me walking in the rain with an umbrella over my head for fear of getting wet. I never understood that the walls and the defences I built up around me in an attempt to protect myself from the words that stung and the looks that wounded also served as a barrier against God's love and acceptance. And thus I could not know the transforming power of the spirit of adoption. 
What is the spirit of adoption and why is it so important that we receive the revelation of it in our own hearts? And she goes on to say, the spirit of adoption is what declares to all that God is our Father. It's the internal witness that we are the children of God and therefore completely accepted by him. It's what gives us the boldness to come before him without fear because perfect love casts out all fear. And this one thing must be understood by all of us because only the revelation of that spirit of adoption in our hearts has the power to displace the one thing that plagues the generations, the spirit of rejection. So what do we feel when we know we're accepted as God? What difference is it going to make to our lives? We have the privilege of calling God our Father and being called his children. We have the security that God has deliberately chosen us and included us, taken us from one family to his family and it's not based on anything that we do or have done. We're members of a family with all the joy and blessings that that brings. We have brothers and sisters. Got a room full of them here, haven't we? <laughs> We've got that Holy Spirit in us that bears witness that we're children. And we receive discipline from God because a good father disciplines his children so that they start to learn from him. And unlike some earthly fathers who may let us down, may abandon us, may disappoint us, our Heavenly Father will never abandon us. He will not cast us away. He will not cast us out. He will not disinherit us. We need never fear being rejected by him, no matter what we do, what we say. We come to him and he showers that love on us. It's a steadfast love. And as children of God, we can share our hopes and fears with our father, our daddy, at any time. It's one of our privileges. Uh, Dr. Packer writes, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well. We need to learn more about God being our Father, being there for us, being constant, being there to guide us, to discipline us, to love us. And very many of us don't have that, and don't have that picture in our minds of what a good father is. And that's something that a lot of people, I think, are struggling with today, not just in this room, but out there. There's an awful lot of broken families. One of the final things that we receive by being a child of God is our inheritance. We inherit all that Christ will inherit. We're fellow heirs with Christ. And it's wonderful because our destiny is clear. 
We don't know what's going to happen in the future, but we do know what our final destiny is going to be. We're going to be with God. We're going to have a share in the riches of Christ, share in the glory of Christ. And we don't know what it will be like. The Bible says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Just think about it. Something better than your eye has ever seen, than you've ever heard described, than you can even think about. Yeah? That's what God has prepared for us. C.S. Lewis, at the end of the final Narnia story, The Last Battle, tried to put some of this sort of into words. And he wrote, The things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. And that's just a tiny way of looking at what God's got in store for us, our destiny. So how do we apply this to our lives? If we think of the ideal relationship between a child and his earthly father, there's the security. It's all Chris. I've got a picture of Chris here. With the hug, that security that we know that we're in the family, that's not going to be altered, that our father is watching out for us and making sure that we're walking in the right way. We know hope, that final destiny that we're heading for. We know that we have a hope that is steadfast and certain. God has plans for us to bring us a hope and a future. We trust our dad. We trust our father. Imagine a little baby when it comes. (laughs) Chris holding it in his arms and it's asleep. What trust? To sleep in someone else's arms. To rest secure. Just think of the trust. And we can do that in our father's arms. There are times when we need just to rest and trust and be in daddy's arms, loved and hugged and held. And finally, we know we're accepted. God is going to discipline us at times. We do need it. We wander off the way. But he always accepts us. We're accepted forever in Christ. We're under his patria potestas. He loves us. He's chosen us. We're always going to be accepted. Just let me say in conclusion then, you may know full well what it means when the Bible talks about God sending his spirit into our hearts to witness with us. Abba, Father, yes, I am a child of God, the spirit witnesses. And that's great. Don't take it for granted though. Because there are a lot of privileged children who take their mums for granted today. Come to God, say thank you. Give thanks to him with the whole of your life. You may believe in Christ, but you may not yet know the witness of God's spirit for some reason. God hasn't 
or you, it won't be that God hasn't sent his spirit because he will have sent his spirit but it may be that you haven't felt that you're not aware of that you're not hearing the spirit witness to you ask God because a father loves to give his children good gifts and he will make sure that you will have the witness of the spirit in your life that you are a child of God maybe you've lost sight of the fact that you're a child of God like the prodigal son you've wandered away or you've gone off on your own neglected and ignored your father but it can be time to come home again you just have to turn around and say father I'm sorry forgive me I'm home again please take me in and he will or maybe you've suddenly become aware that you've never known what it is to be a child of God but now you know another life is possible and God's saying come in out of the cold trust me become part of the family everything I have will be yours as well and you have the choice then whether to turn your back and walk away or step over the threshold into that family and say yeah I want to come in and I know I don't deserve it but I do believe that Christ died and I can become your child please take me in and he will to all who receive him to those who believe in his name he gives the right to become children of God Amen We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk.